Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studio in Alpharetta, it's time for Profit Sense with Bill McDermott. Good morning. Welcome to Profit Sense. This podcast dives into the stories behind some of Atlanta's successful businesses and business owners and the professionals that advise them. We help local business leaders get the word out about the important work they're doing to serve their market, their community, and their profession, as well as discuss current issues that business owners are facing today across a wide variety of industries. I'm your host, Bill McDermott, and this show is presented by The Profitability Coach. When business owners want to increase their profitability, they often don't have the expertise to know where to start or what to do. I leverage my knowledge and relationships from 32 years in banking and 15 years as a coach to deliver, to create a plan and deliver profitability they never thought possible. I am so excited to have Toby Anderson with SGL Wealth Management on the show today. Toby, welcome to Profit Sense. So glad you're here. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So I want to kick off our conversation. I think it's Simon Sinek that maybe challenges all of us to understand what is our why. So I want to kick off with that and just say, what is your why and why is it important? Yeah, thanks. That's one of the best books and most impactful books I've probably read in the last decade. So love that book. My why starts with my family. So my wife, we got five kids. I got two stepdaughters, three others, and everything I do is that's where it starts. And then from there, the why I do what I do is I just love helping people. I, I understand that finances are a critical piece of every aspect of someone's life. It yeah. drifts into every relationship. It drifts into most decisions and just helping people stay on track and have a plan. That's my why. Yeah, that is awesome. And I love the family values. I find myself feeling uh, that way as well. As a matter of fact, we just had a couple of grandchildren additions to our family Congrats. between Christmas and New Year's. Thank you. But yeah, not only helping people, but also having family is a big priority. So I want to switch to, uh, there's a lot of misunderstandings out there about financial planning. What is it? How is it done? What do you feel is the most common misunderstanding about financial planning? I cer- <clears throat> excuse me. I certainly don't think as an industry, we've done ourselves any favors by being clear about what certain definitions mean. I think we mentioned earlier before we started, there's probably 5,000 financial advisors just in Alpharetta alone, if not more. And there's probably 50 different titles that they all go by. Oh, I'm a stockbroker. I'm a financial planner. I'm a financial advisor. I'm a wealth manager. I'm a wealth planner. I'm this. And they all do the same. And I just think people get confused. People get frustrated. People rightfully so in some ways are a little skeptical from some bad, either a bad experience personally or a bad experience from Elsa. But when I look at financial planning, financial planning is being involved in every aspects of our clients' lives that involves a dollar sign, right? Whether it's the investments, it's the insurance, it's the estate planning, it's the tax planning, it's the business planning, it's the budgeting, it's a little bit of it also. We view and our firm views financial planning as it involves everything. I think the biggest misconception is I need a financial planner or advisor because I need help with my investments. Yes, that is a piece of it. And most people, I think, view that as the biggest piece of it, but it's not. 
the investments are there just as a means to help you reach the goals that you're trying to achieve as a, whether it's as a business or as a family and all the other things around that impact the investments and the investment decisions that the advisor should be making to get them to their goals. Sure. And maybe to go a, a little bit deeper on that, you talked about while the investment management is a piece, it's only a piece. Are there other pieces that maybe either people misunderstand or don't include in financial planning? Abs- yeah, absolutely. I think taxes is a huge piece of it. We partner with various CPAs and stuff and CPAs are very good at filing taxes. They yep. know the laws change all the time. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to keep up with all that stuff, but they're not typically great at tax strategy, right? So if you're thinking of it from a business standpoint, hey, what tax strategies do we need to be employing now to save us money, whether it's this year or even two or three or four years down the road? We find clients that have some significant resources, you know, there are ways that they can give money that are more efficient than just writing a check one time to, to one charity or a gift to, to one person, whatever. So I think taxes is a, is a big thing. Insurance always comes up because if you're not insuring your biggest risks and your biggest assets, the, the greatest investment strategy in the world can completely blow up in a split second. Sure. And we've all seen that happen. So yeah. there's a lot of things that, that go into that. I'm reflecting on my career in banking. Bankers have a lot of titles for themselves, relationship manager, commercial lender, personal banker, business banker. And so it, bankers confusing too. And, and they, have a, they have a language that I call bank speak because they throw out terms like working capital, EBIT cash flow. And so it is, it's incredibly confusing. Maybe there are some parallels here probably, between you know, it's funny wealth you management say, and banking. It's funny you say that I had lunch with a banker yesterday. And she's newer to the banking industry, right? Had a long career work with nonprofits and this and that. And from one of her comments was she goes, one of my biggest assets is I don't have all the 20-year history as a banker. So I don't know all the jargon that, that gets thrown out there. So she's like, I think people relate to me a little better. I'm like, that makes sense. My industry is the exact same way. That's, uh, gonna, that's throwing out terms that I assume everybody knows that they're like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're talking this morning with Toby Anderson with SGL Wealth Management. Toby says the greatest compliment his clients can pay him is that they trust him. If he doesn't have the answer, he'll tell you. The only thing that he knows for sure is he doesn't know everything, which that's that's a great quality to have. And, and throughout his career, he's learned how to think and feel and dictate behavior, whether it's a conscious decision or not. People only form relationships, spend their time, and invest their hard-earned money with people that they like and trust. And that's that's a little bit of a tagline of mine, I think, as well, Toby. People do business with people they know and they trust. And first, they have to get to uh, know you, then they like you, then they trust you, then they try you. It's been my experience. Has that been the same for you, maybe? 100%. Yeah. So... I know the banking industry is changing. I'm sure the financial um, services industry, wealth management, financial planning is evolving as well. Could you talk a little bit about how the financial services industry is evolving? Yeah, it's like a lot of businesses. Things are constantly changing. Regulations constantly change. You know, we've got the in, in our industry, the one of the big jargon words I'm going to throw out there anyway is compliance. There's always things you can and can't do, and yep. those seem to to change 
weekly, monthly, yep. daily, highly, all the times. Highly regulated. You know, but when I look at financial service, from a, if you step back and look at it from a big picture, it wasn't 20 years ago that there wasn't really financial planners. There was just stockbrokers. You know, I got started right out of college at Robinson Humphrey down in Buckhead, which quickly became Smith Barney and Solomon Smith Barney. And that was still the days when the stockbrokers sat in their office smoked a couple pack of cigarettes and then traded stocks all day long for a commission. It wasn't that long ago. I'm not that old that it was that, that and then all of a sudden financial planning became a piece of it. And the, the model kind of morphed to, to asset management where you, you manage people's assets as a whole, which I think was a good change because it stopped some of the obnoxious trading that went on for crazy commission and stuff like that and put the advisor on the same side of the table with the clients. And now you're also starting to see more just people paying for planning, period. Not necessarily paying for the investment management. I work with, we work with folks, and I'll give two examples. Whether once Sometimes it's a business owner. Their biggest asset's usually their business. Yeah. And when they have extra money, where does it go? Right back into the business. They're terribly undiversified. They are terribly undiversified, yep. right? And yet, yet they have some something in their mind of what life's going to look like 10, 15, 20 years down the road. They need what you do, what I do in order to plan to make that happen. Typically, if that's the client, they walk into a, I don't want to pick on anybody. They walk into a big, well-known wealth management firm and go, I need help. And the management firm goes, but you don't have any assets. I got a business worth $5 million. Doesn't do us any good. See ya. Yeah. So I think that's a piece that's changing. And then on the every person level, even with financial planning, right? Like we'll work with a couple in their mid 40s, prime earning years, three kids. They don't have a bunch of extra money and all their savings are going into their 401k plans. So they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. But you take that person and walk them into a wealth management firm and they go, you don't have any assets for me to manage. You need to carry on. Yeah. But, but we look at that and be like, all right, that person needs a financial plan. They need to know, am I saving enough for my kids to go to college? Am I saving enough for my wife and I to retire at 65? Are we doing the right stuff with our insurance to make sure that if something happens to one or the other, everybody else is, is set? So you're seeing, a, you're start, we're starting to see a switch to more just planning, pay, paying for planning. Just pay a one-time fee, get the plan, check in on it every year. And it has nothing to do with managing assets. And I think that's a positive because I would, one of my things I tell people is everybody needs a financial plan. Yeah. I don't care if you're 21, just got out of college and got your first job. You need to, it may be a very simple plan, but you need to know that I'm doing these five things that are going to lead to me making good decisions early on. Cause I did not do that when I, when I got out of college and I made some poor financial decisions and I, want to help my kids and help other people and help my clients' kids. Hey, here's the few things you need to be doing. So I think that's the biggest positive change I see happening in, in our industry is just the, you can just pay for a plan. You don't have to have the assets and you don't have to feel like I'm not worthy of a financial advisor because I don't have half a million dollars that I can say, help me know how to manage this. That's easy to do. Yeah. And what I've found, I'm interested as far as uh, what your experience has been, but um, the business owner clients that I do business with, about two out of 10 have any kind of business succession plan. And so I'm wondering uh, individuals, 
uh, would the two and 10 rule be the same? Just you're finding that as you're talking to people, maybe two out of the 10 you talk to have a individual or a business financial plan? If not worse on the individual letter. Wow. Wow. Because yeah, you're right. It's staggering the percentages of business owners that don't have a plan and they know they've got an asset that's worth something. And then on the family level, I think people just get so stuck in the day-to-day, no different than business. You just get stuck in your day-to-day of running the family, running the business, going to work, getting the kids to school, whatever it is. When you just listen to some noise every now and then on the radio and be like, oh, we've got a budget or we're doing this or we're doing that. And you don't really know where the money's going and don't know why it's going where it's going. Yeah. It reminds me of the saying, a dream without a plan is just a wish. That's right. (laughs) Exactly. And then the next piece of it is keeping up with that because my, my other favorite saying is the old Mike Tyson one, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. And yeah. everybody's going to get punched in the face at some time with something financially. Business owner or individual, something unexpected is going to happen. And how do you know how to pivot and what to do when that happens? That's true. And that's part of my story. So 30 years in banking, the Great Recession hits. I'm the chief commercial lender at a community bank here in Atlanta, but we're in a banking crisis. I'm laid off. Mm-hmm. My income goes from six figures to zero. I think that constitutes getting punched in the face. I, I would agree. And But the recovery there was it allowed me to do a pivot of going from banking over to profitability coaching. But I still had to pull out my plan and say, okay, I, by the way, I didn't have a plan when I came out of college either. <laughs> I don't think most people did. Yeah, confession is good for the soul. But no, I I found at some point in time, I think having kids causes you to do that. And so when I was 33, I think is when I had my first financial plan. But it's it's absolutely critical. So I shared with you a little bit about some of my key life events and one in particular. What are some of the key life events that shaped who you are and how it has impacted your career? Yeah, so I got the I got the uppercut and the hook at the same time about six years ago. I find my I was so let me pause for a second. So before I became a financial advisor, I was what's called a wholesaler, and that means my clients were actually financial advisors. So I spent fifteen years calling on financial advisors all over the southeast. I worked for Pacific Life, the big insurance company with the whale. ING, the orange company that became Voya, and a couple of real estate companies in, in there as well. And then I found myself laid off about, I guess, about seven years ago now. Management does what management does and has to make themselves feel important. So they're going to, we're going to restructure everything. And the restructure does not include Toby. I was like, okay. So about that time, that's when you start reflecting and go, all right, I've been doing this for 15 years, There's travel involved. I got kids. I don't, to be honest, I'm like, I don't really like financial advisors. Most of them are just arrogant. What's I was like, so I'm going to become one, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> But you're going to change the model. You're somebody who really well, cares. Maybe, maybe I hope so. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So that was a, that was where I pivoted to becoming a personal advisor, which I wouldn't looking back. I wish I had done it 20 years ago. Yeah. I absolutely love helping the individuals. It's so much more rewarding than teaching, training, doing whatever you want to call it with financial advisors. So that was one getting laid off all of a sudden, all of a sudden you find yourself in a little transition period where you're like, and it worked, like, like you said, it worked. It was wonderful, yeah. right? Where yeah. I am now, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And then shortly after that, I got divorced, mm. right? So three kids found myself divorced. This was 2017. And so that was the part two of the get, getting punched in the face. So ended up pretty much raising the three kids on my own, which was fine. It's what I wanted. So that part, I'm not, that's, I'm not, that is not a complaint. That is a positive out of that. And then got remarried three years ago, 
in two weeks. So picked up two additional stepdaughters, wife that treats my kids like her own. They think of her as a mom, basically. So it's turned out great. But those are a couple of key things that kind of just shaped where I am today. Not surprising with that. I find myself working with quite a number of people that have been divorced. Mm. I think there's just that empathy factor of, I, I understand. I know the I know what it's like going through that. I know what it's like having kids and going through that. I know what it does to your finances when you go through that, positive or negative. And I know that if you had a financial plan before that, you are going to have a very different financial plan after that because life is just different. And then factor that into if you get remarried, then there's additional things to consider as far as the financial plan goes if you're merging two families and, and this and that. So there's a lot of things that go. I am very blessed. Like, the five of our kids get along like they were all uh, have been in the same family forever. Yeah. That is not normal, right? There you hear much more of there's fighting or bickering or my kids don't get along with her kids or her kids don't like my kids or whatever. And you hear horror stories of having to, to navigate holidays and all that kind of stuff. We, we are beyond blessed. That is not our, our situation. It is easy and everybody loves each other and gets along great. But those are a couple of key things that kind of led Shape, shaped where I am today and who I am and why I do what I do. And that all, it all flows together. Yeah. That's such a great story. Thanks for sharing that. We're talking today with Toby Anderson with SGL Wealth Management. SGL helps clients manage their assets by utilizing the efficient financial planning strategy known as SGL or strategic guidance for life. They provide financial planning services, investment services, hourly consulting, business services, trust in estate. Uh, They strive to build long-term relationships based on trust, mutual respect, and the highest level of service possible. Um, Toby, talk a little bit about the importance of having a financial plan. Why is that so important? Because we've talked around that this this whole time. The old saying, if you you don't know where you're going to get there, everyone's got goals. Those goals, as with anything, you need to write them down and you need to know how you're going to get there. Everybody has a goal of retiring at some point, but retirement looks different for almost everybody, right? Is it, I want to be done at 62 and I'm never going to do anything. I'm playing golf five days a week. Great. If that's what retirement, let's see what that looks like. Sometimes it's, I'm going to retire, but I'm going to get a part-time job because I want to. I'm never going to retire. There's that one. But you got to know where you're going and then are you on track to get there, right? Are you saving the amount of money you need to save to have the lifestyle you desire when that day comes? And for me, I don't know if I will ever retire. I don't know what that, I don't, I I love what I'm doing, right? I'm not, I don't have a goal of, Hey, it's at 65, I'm shutting it off and running around the the country, seeing national parks and Europe and all that stuff. But you got to know, you got to know what it looks like and be able to say, Yes, I'm on track or no, I'm not on track. And some people are way off track. They think, hey, I'm going to retire at 62 and I'm going to do this and this. And then if I look at the numbers and put it into plan, I'm like, you're not doing, <laughs> you are not doing that and that because you will be out of money in five years. Yeah, You got to have to dial it back. And it just makes people put everything down on paper. And even from the, the younger people, just the importance of budgeting. Hey, what's coming in and what's going out and I'm not a huge Dave Ramsey fan. I think he's got a lot of stuff that he says does well and a few things that I don't quite agree with, which I think is okay, but he's right on that. You need to, every dollar needs to have a purpose. Right. And do you have the the guardrails around what you're doing to make sure are your investments aligned? 
you can't say, hey, I need to have this amount of money when I'm doing it and have your money sitting in cash. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just not going to it's just not going to work. And people helping people understand the risks associated with certain levels of stuff. And then the risks of not some people's greatest risk is not being risky enough, right? right. They're just, right. Know, it's just important. Yeah. Yeah. It really business is. owners too. You got to know, and you see this every day in, in your career, business owners have to have a plan to know where they're trying to go. Hey, is, is it, I want 20% growth in profits over the next two or three years. Great. How are you going to do that. I'm sure you've had people tell you that and you look down and go, and they're like, I don't know. I just think it's going to happen. That stuff usually doesn't just happen without a plan. If it does, you're one of the lucky ones and you're doing something right, but that's everyone needs a plan to know what where they're trying to get to and how they're going to get there. Yeah. I can think of uh, two clients uh, that I'm working with. One is uh, actually 75. Uh, he's a, a very successful uh, professional uh, he has a, a 30 person firm. He has several partners, but it's very difficult for him to transition ownership and management. And I've got another client who is 60. I really had in my mind that this guy was going to go another six or seven years. And all of a sudden he, he calls me and says, need to have a meeting. It's going to be you, me and my wife. And by the way, I'm my wife is telling me things are impacting me. So what would it be like if I retired in a year or two years? And the thing is, you can have a plan, but the plans change. Correct. And for this guy, if he's retiring at 60 and he thought maybe he was going to retire at 65, what's that five-year difference? And does he have the level of assets to support an income right as if he worked those additional five years so right. you can have a plan but you got to be prepared for the plan to change too yeah. and we I, I forget the exact number but something like 80 correct me if you may know this better me like 80 percent of business owners that sell their business regret it within 24 months oh yeah that's you know? called buyer's remorse correct <laughs> you know and so one of we look at, I look at my job as helping them understand what does the, what does the five years after you sell your bit, what does that look like? Yeah. Now you've got the liquidity event. You've got the assets. We all know that just because you now have the assets, that's not necessarily, that's not the key to happiness. Right. It's not, oh, I got the seven figure number in the bank and now I'm happy. Now you got to live the next 20 years, maybe with your spouse who you've spent very little time with the past 20 years, yep. <laughs> you might have to get to know each other again. And hopefully you still like each other. And then is it travel? Is it, is she, is the wife telling the husband after 12 months, you need to go find a part-time job because you got to get out of the house. <laughs> I've heard that conversation this week. There, see, there you go. But that's all part of the plan. Like, here's what it's going to look like. Here's what it's going to, here's how we're going to do it and why. Again, come to where we started. Here's the why. Here's why I'm selling my business because whatever the, whatever it is for that person, And then there's also the piece of, especially for business owners or anybody really, what happens when that unexpected thing, that that punch in the face comes again, right? Right. What happens to that 65-year-old business owner that wants to keep going and all of a sudden gets a diagnosis that they weren't expecting and doesn't have five years to continue on? And as if you've got to put the plan together to sell your business within a year, you're behind the eight ball. If you can plan that out at least three preferably five plus years, you with what you do can help them get the profit to where they need to do. So then they can get the valuation that they're going to need to get in order to get the amount of money that they 
deserve to pass that on as legacy or whatever it is. You just hate to see the, I need a plan now. What does that mean? Something happened and you weren't expecting it and something you were completely unplanned for. Now you're unprepared and it's a little, it's a little too late sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's two factors that you have to consider simultaneously with planning. There is the financial side, but for that business owner or individual who's retiring, who has worked mm-hmm. their entire career, what are they going to do with their time? Correct. And if there's a void, then that void has to be yeah. filled. My dad's solution, my dad loved to play golf. He retired. He played golf every day. He was happy. But I have to do, I, I love golf, but I have to do something other than golf right. with my time. I'm one of the rare financial advisors that absolutely hates golf. If I never set foot on a golf course again, I will deem that a success in the second half of my life. Uh, do, you, do you have a favorite sport or a favorite hobby that you like to do? I like to exercise. I like to run and, and do some stuff like that. And Good for you. Not go, it, t- If I get back into something, it'd probably be tennis, but it is not going to be it is not going to be golf. And I have no problem with that. This, this has nothing to do with our interview, but we're going here. So I've recently tried pickleball. Oh, nice. And so pickleball is, is a combination Mm -hmm. between tennis and ping pong. Yeah, And so it is certainly a a sport that is getting a lot of traction here. I think it's the fastest growing sport in the country right now. I played one time and I did enjoy it. I could do that. Yeah. So anyway, for those of you listening, yeah, we've probably given maybe a couple people (laughs) that are thinking about retirement ideas of what to do with their time. I think that just to tie that up, that that's the part of my job where it becomes way more important than just the investment management, right? Helping someone understand what life looks like and then making sure they have the means to do it is really the, the core of financial planning, business planning. And that's all in some ways that's, that's more of a consultant or more of a therapist sometimes helping them make sure that they understand what they're walking into when that happens. And an example, I had a client that has significant assets in recently, but they're scared to death to spend any money. Mm. I'm like, all right, you need to sit down and think about this because you've saved for so long, go have fun. Right. Yeah. Sometimes my job is to convince people, you need to spend money. You don't need to leave it all to the kids. They will be fine, and they're probably better off not having it all because right. I've met a couple of them, and they don't need that money. Right. <laughs> that is not going to be good. That's the other piece of it is just call it behavioral finance, behavioral therapy, whatever you want. On the flip side of it is some people are so good at savings, they're just scared to death to spend. And I'm yeah. like, you, you need to go to take your wife to Europe. Go yeah. join that country club. Go buy that car that makes no sense to buy because you can afford to and go, go enjoy retirement. Don't sit back and eat ramen noodles, scare and watch the stock market every day, please. Yeah. If you're going to do that, you need to go find another advisor because you're not calling me every day saying, why is the market down 10%? I yeah. don't know. And I don't care. <laughs> not a recipe for success. <laughs> no. So Toby, this conversation has been absolutely delightful, but I do want to be sure there are I won't say possibly, I'll say there are probably some individuals or business owners out there that have said, gosh, I really need to get a plan going. So what is the best way for them to get in touch with you? Do you have a website, email, phone number they can call? What's the best way yeah, to so get our, in touch? Our firm website is www.sgl, I think strategic guidance for life, sglwm.com. 
My personal website is just tobyanderson.com. So they got a little bit of information about me there. And then email is toby.anderson at sglwm.com. Toby, it's been an absolute delight. You've given us some great insights on planning. And uh, thank you so much for coming on Profit Sense today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. We're kicking off a new year. It's 2024. Every business owner I'm talking to recently has been trying to think about what do I need to do to sell more? Do I raise prices? Do I increase volume? And so I wanted to talk briefly about how to become the salesperson people want to buy from. Having success in sales can sometimes feel easier said than done. It takes hard work, dedication, and a willingness to learn and grow. It also takes the ability to overcome objections and setbacks. I recently led a sales training to a group of commercial bankers that we discussed the importance of dealing with mindset first and then adding the right skill set. Two crucial mindsets to have are an abundance mindset and a success mindset. Best way to have an abundance mindset is to have an abundance of opportunities. A success mindset includes the 80-20 rule. In a sales call, do 20% of the talking and 80% of the listening. Ask questions based on curiosity and listen to the answers. For skill set, it's important to engage your client or prospect in as much right brain thinking as you can. The right side of the brain is where imagination and feelings live. If you can engage those through the art of storytelling, you'll soon find the client sees themselves in your story. This triggers a desire to do business with you because they see you as someone that can solve their problem. So our formula for success is simple. Find the level of activity you're willing to adopt, own your sales process, and ask good questions and solve problems. Don't sell products. If you want to keep up with the latest latest in pro-business news, follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at The Profitability Coach. If you want to listen to past or future ProfitSense episodes, you can find us on ProfitSenseRadio.com. This is Profit Sense with Bill McDermott signing off. Make it a great day.